Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. There are so many great ways to invest in real estate. And over the next few weeks, we're going to do a series of looking at different asset classes within real estate so you can make the right choice. Today, we've got a good one and a great guest on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Imagine being in the room when some of the smartest experts in the world talk about the future of money and wealth. Now you can. We're bringing together Rich Dad Poor Dad author Robert Kiyosaki, the Creature from Jekyll Island author G. Edward Griffin, Peak Prosperity podcast host and author of The Crash Course, Chris Martinson, plus Peter Schiff, Brian London, Simon Black, and other experts in gold, oil, cryptocurrencies, and real estate to talk about how these all affect you and the future of your money and wealth. When markets change, the prepared profit. If you measure your wealth in U.S. dollars, this is a conference you can't afford to miss. It all happens in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, April 6th and 7th. For details, send an email to future at realestateguysradio.com. The future of money and wealth is changing fast. Are you ready? Email future at realestateguysradio.com. That's future at realestateguysradio.com. Memphis is famous for being the home of the king of rock and roll, but it's also the king of cash flow. If you're looking for affordable cash flow properties, it's hard to beat Memphis. Get your portfolio rocking and more cash flowing your way by calling Terry Kerr at Mid-South Home Buyers. Terry's the king of turnkey properties. Contact Terry through the resource section at realestateguysradio.com. And be sure to order Terry's tips for turnkey rental property investing report. It's free. Just send your request to turnkey at realestateguysradio.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, as usual, financial strategist and co-host, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. You know, real estate's amazing. There's so many places that have real estate. Almost everywhere I go, there's real estate. And there's so many different <laughs> types of real estate. I mean, you can invest in single-family houses, apartments, raw land. You can invest in condominiums. You can invest in resort property. You can invest in self-storage or mobile home parks or assisted living. You can invest in REITs and trusts. You can invest in all kinds of things, syndications. And what I thought we would uh, do for the next few weeks is spend some time talking about the various asset classes, if you will, inside of real estate. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, you got to go deep every once in a while, right? We, we identify things that are going on at the macro level, trends. We've seen interest rates rising. We see things going on with the dollar and debt and the, we got a new Fed chair, all the things we talk about all the time. And that creates an economic environment, a sea, if you will. And then your, your investments are floating around on the sea or swimming around inside the sea. If, and you've got to try to figure out, okay, well, how do I navigate all this? Where, where do I want to be? And when it comes to investing, there's really two schools of thought. Kiyosaki talks about this all the time. There are people who invest for capital gains, buy low, sell high, and they focus on asset price. Right. They want to buy something that hopefully is going to go up in value over time. Yeah. And most of the talking heads on financial, you know, mainstream financial TV, that's what they talk about. They're talking about buy low, sell high. Is it going to go up? You know, like crypto, Bitcoin is purely that. It doesn't produce any income. So the other thing that Robert says is cash flow is the value. In other words, the productivity, whatever the productivity is. So many of the things that you mentioned at the top there are things that produce income. As a real estate investor, you're not interested in buying the house cheap and selling it later for more because when you make that round trip, all all you end up with is a pile of cash. And right now, last time I looked, the dollar's down 3 or 4% this year, and it was down 10% plus last year. Yeah, but that's not the only reason to not hold on to cash. Cash doesn't really have the kind of utility investors want long-term, which is to keep up with inflation or do better than that. And if we put our money out to work, we put capital in the market and it comes back with friends, then we are increasing our base. If I earn money and it turns it into cash and put it in my mattress and it sits there, it's actually losing value. Whether or not the dollar is going up or down compared to what, still over time with inflation, with the cost of things, I'd rather have that money manufacturing more money, which is what cash flow is about. Right. Well, that's exactly right. The whole concept of uh, Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad Poor Dad is passive income, cash flow. He called his game cash flow, called his company cash flow. It's about cash flow. You're accumulating the efforts of others. When I own a property, an apartment building, somebody goes to work and works for somebody else and then sends me 20 or 30% of their paycheck to live in the building, I've accumulated their efforts on an ongoing basis. I'm not speculating that somebody is going to want my apartment building later for more 
I'm knowing that this person wants to live in it this month and is willing to pay me. Then I just, how many of those people do you want to have? Well, when you understand that basic premise in real estate, whatever it is, then you all you have to do is really look for what's going on in the world demographically, economically, and figure out what can I own that people are going to be willing to pay me for the use of. And whatever that is, it could be a beach, it could be a hotel, it could be a ATM, it could be a self-storage, it could be a mobile home, it could be, you know, Airbnb. I mean, what can I own that people are going to pay me to use? And then how can I make sure that that is going to be sustainable? And once you've got that figured out, then you can go accumulate all kinds of different things that fit that basic premise. And you can build a diverse stream, multiple streams of income all based in a real asset, whatever the tangible asset that you've purchased is that has physical value. And then you're just focused on managing that cash flow and having more cash coming in than going out. And at the end of the day, that's called positive cash flow. Three words we like to use together in the same sentence every time we can. Most of the investors that listen to our show are single family home investors. I mean, that's kind of the basic one-on-one investing. You lived in a house growing up and you buy a house and you buy another house and you buy another house. And that's a slow way to wealth. We did a show earlier in the year about making the job from single family to multifamily. Our guest today made that jump from single family to multifamily. In fact, he's done a lot of multifamily. And, you know, a few weeks back, we had Brad Sumrock on the program talking about apartments and, and the multifamily space and so forth. But there's more to it than just residential, and there's more to it than just folks that are going to live in, in a building and pay you rent. There's all kinds of things to talk about. So we're going to spend the next several weeks talking about some of these various asset classes. And, and the reason is, as an investor, we, we talk on the real estate guys about broader picture economics because it's that sea we're floating in. As a real estate investor, I'm going to submit to you that it makes sense for you to be aware, at least on a cursory level, about the various asset classes so you can make a decision. If you get dogmatic about the type of property that you're in, it may serve you well right now. It may not in the future. And part of what happens to real estate investors is they want to get rich in a niche, and that's great. But if you get too entrenched in one niche and the market changes, it's over. Well, it goes back to understanding who you are and what you're doing, right? If you're an operator, if you're going to be in the business of operating whatever kind of real estate it is, then then you do need to be an expert. You've got to be great. If I'm going to run a residential assisted living, I need to be great at that. If I'm going to run an apartment building, I need to be great at that. But if I'm going to be an investor and not an operator, then I have to find great operators so I can be broad-based like Warren Buffett. He doesn't run those companies. He finds people who run those companies. They're experts in what they do. And so he invests in management teams and people that have good business models that are in the right sector that have the right uh, competitive advantage. And if he makes that investment wisely, he can have a very diverse portfolio made up of a collection of expert operators in very specific niches. And you can you can perform very well as an investor or on behalf of your investors if you're syndicating. And you know what he's doing? He's accumulating the efforts of others. You bet it. That's what we do. And as a real estate investor, you can do that in a way where you're not managing people. You're not putting them in a building. You're not worrying about their 401k. You're not doing any of that, but you still get to benefit from that. And so today we're going to meet a gentleman who has success in multiple asset classes and, and uh, he's done well in multifamily. He's done well in resort property. Last time we had on the program, he was talking about a really interesting asset class, which was not exactly real estate kind of a very small piece of real estate uh, called an ATM, right? A, a machine that, that generates cash and cash flow for the owner. Today, we're going to talk about a, a niche that we've been fascinated by for a long time. I remember years ago, one of our very first investor summits, we had a couple come on and uh, you, you probably remember that the first co-host co of the Real Estate Guys, that's a long time ago, was in the business of renewing real estate licenses for people. And we had this couple come on and we had our investor summit on one side of the ship. On the other side, were real estate agents renewing their license, kind of a legacy holdover. And this wonderful couple came on and they were renewing their license. And talking to them like, yeah, we don't really do much anymore. And they're, they're like, you know, mid-50s, but they're retired. I'm like, how, how is it that, that you don't really work anymore? Well, we just want to have our license, you know, kept up to speed because, well, we bought one of those self-storage units and the thing just throws off cash. And now we have four or five of them and it's all the money we'll ever need. I'm like, so your tenants are boxes. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So our guest today is going to share with us the realities, myths, and the future of self-storage today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. 
real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Rehabbing, hard money, cost of repairs, after repair value, cost overruns. You know the terms, but what if there was another way to make money in real estate? A way to receive consistent cash flow without the headaches. Discover how some of the most successful investors make their money by letting someone else do the evaluating, acquiring, managing, and selling. For accredited investors, explore investing in a private real estate fund that allows you to enjoy the income and appreciation benefits of real estate without the day-to-day hassles. You can receive an informative free guide by sending an email to privateincome at realestateguysradio.com. The benefits of real estate without the hassles. That's privateincome at realestateguysradio.com. For investors, Timberland has become the symbol of safety. Global tropical timber demand continues to surge as the world's population increases. The need for managed, sustainable timber production forests has never been greater. When stock markets crash, trees keep growing. Direct ownership of fully managed tropical timberland acreage is now available to accredited investors. Prime valuable hardwood groves close to the beautiful Costa Rican border generate and maintain superior long-term wealth. Qualified, accredited investors should email timber at realestateguysradio.com for more information. Consider visiting our forest plantations to see for yourself. Email timber at realestateguysradio.com. This announcement does not constitute either an offer to sell securities or a solicitation of an offer to purchase. Offering made by prospectus only. For more information, email timber at realestateguysradio.com. Hi, this is Gene Epstein, economics editor from Barron's, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Today, our first in a series of shows, we're going to in, uh, take a look at different asset classes. Our guest is a guy that knows about several of them. Let's welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, our good friend, David Sook. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on the show, Robert. Well, I keep having to come have you come back because you keep investing in new stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> so folks who didn't hear the first uh, interview with you, uh, you know, big part of your story is you got very involved in multifamily in a particular market. And you guys know how many doors today in multifamily with you and your investors? Uh, just over 3,000 doors. All right. So that's pretty good, right? That's uh, been in a few short years. Very excited about that. And then lo and behold, you decided to get in a completely different market, resort investing. You've got a lot of holdings in resort property and an exhaust location. And then last time we had you on the show, it was ATM machines. Fascinating because as real estate investors were like, how does that apply to us? Well, the returns are pretty good. The idea is pretty interesting. And I know you've had great success with that. And, and you're really a guy who helps people find different opportunities rather than getting pigeonholed like we were talking about. And a few months ago, you said, hey, I got this self-storage deal. I'd always been intrigued by self-storage. I knew the concept, but hadn't really been able to put together a deal. And uh, you've done exactly that. So tell us the attraction to self-storage. Most people understand what it means, but why does it make sense from an investment point of view? Well, you just mentioned that you've been intrigued with with self-storage for a long time, and so have I. I remember back when I was in my early 20s, we had a dealer for our modular buildings down in Delaware, and he was a self-storage operator, and he also sold our modular buildings at the time. And I remember this conversation that I had with him, and he said, man, this is the easiest thing, this is the easiest way to make money ever. And I never forgot it. This is like 20 years later, and I finally got into my in my first self-storage deal. So it's, it's uh, something that I've, I own some real estate around home, I've Looked into building self-storage, uh, the pieces of property that I that I have. We we actually went as far as doing a feasibility study on one of them, and it didn't quite check out. And uh, so this is something that's been on my radar for a long time, and I'm glad to finally uh, be able to get into uh, the self-storage business. Well, one thing I know about you is you are definitely diligent about making sure that, that everything works and pencils out, and it is a process because what's amazing about self-storage is there is a huge demand – in certain demographics, in certain marketplaces, but not everywhere, right? And it changes over time. In the research we were doing, and, and some of it way back to this couple that came on the summit, you know, they said, well, you know, you have to be in a place where either it's too expensive, so people need to 
source some of their stuff or you need to be in a place where times are tough and people are having to move out of places. I'm thinking so in the good and the bad it might work and let's face it, people are accumulating stuff like never before. We hear on the news about hoarders and all that kind of stuff and I, I see the garage sales but it seems like more stuff goes back in the garage than, than comes out and so we are an, a nation of, uh, of, of savers and, and stores and, and this allows us to find a place to put our stuff. Well and we've been on the other kind of kind of in the same business but on the other side of that transaction in our modular building business we actually sold against the self-storage guys a lot well when you know it's funny when you said you had a, a guy who was a, a dealer in, in in these sheds that you build and these buildings that you build and he also did self-storage there's a guy working both sides of it right oh, yeah. if you want to store it at your place buy a shed from me if you want to store it at my place rent a unit. Right. So we, we actually have this rent to own platform where somebody walks in the door. It's a, it's a no credit check deal where they can walk in the door and, and rent one of our buildings for 36 months. At the end of 36 months, you own the building. So our story has been to these um, potential buyers is like, look, you can rent a 10 by 10 storage space for three years. And at the end of three years, you don't own anything. You can, you can actually rent a storage shed, which we build at our manufacturing facility, and at the end of the three years, you can rent it from us. At the end of three years, you actually own it. So we've been kind of selling against the self-storage business for the last uh, a lot of years now. Yeah. But it's uh, it, it's fun to be on on uh, both sides of the trade because there's certainly space for both parties. So here's the the big picture: is that one of the things that determines sometimes market selection for us as investors is tenant landlord law. And in certain states in the U.S. and in certain countries, it's more difficult to be a landlord because the laws favor the tenant. Easy for tenants to hold over in units and not be evicted and all that kind of stuff, whereas we tend to favor places where it's more landlord-friendly. When your tenants are boxes, there's not a lot of tenant landlord law to consider, right? It's a different story. So that changes the, the risk parameter right off the bat. Yeah, and it, and it is a lot easier. This is, a, this is considered commercial space now. So it is a lot easier. If you have a non-performing tenant in the self-storage space, it's a lot easier to shut that down and, and really nip that in the bud quickly than it is to get a tenant out of your apartment unit in most cases. You know, I look at it like kind of like a gym membership. There's some people that, you know, they join a gym and they go every day. And there's a lot of people that in January join a gym and they go a few times and they never go again. And the gyms love that. They're, they're good with either one. If you want to come all the time, great. If you want to buy a membership and never come. I know there are folks who move into a self-storage unit with the intention to do something, make a change in life. And then 10 years later, there they are. Oh, yeah. You know, and that happens a lot. You know, the average self-storage tenant is between 28 and 30 months, but the intent is to just be in it for three to six. <laughs> so yeah. there you have it. I'm, I'm guilty as charged having uh, self-storage units in more than three different states. So I, 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 I'm, the, I'm your client in many, many ways. But uh, I guess one of the big questions and one of the things when we were looking at it for a little while was in the market we looked at, it seemed overbuilt. There were rent specials. There was all kinds of stuff that you'd call up and they go, oh, we have tons of units available. And then in another market we're in, there's a waiting list for space. So just like in any product type. You need to do your market analysis. How do you pick a market that's the right kind of market for self-storage? Yeah. So just like in the apartment space where you have jobs coming in, you have population growth, you have all that stuff, there are certain metrics that you look at in a self-storage space. And I'll just give you one that's really important is you have in, in any given market, when you have some of those things, when you have population growth, you have a strong economy, you got jobs coming in, you need a certain amount of square foot of self-storage per person in that market. Okay. So it, it's kind of an easy, easy metric because when you do a market study, you can easily tell, okay, how many people we got in this market? And then how many self-storage facilities we have in this market? Uh, you know, is it overbuilt or is there a shortage of self-storage? So there's, there's a bunch of different metrics to go by. But that's one of them. All right. So mathematically, you know whether or not it yep. uh, makes sense or not. And then I would think there would be the obvious places where, you know, the big companies go in and they, they build these things. But you, you got to think they're overlooking some communities too, right? As a community grows and blossoms and has more, you know, people coming in, 
developers don't first go to self-storage. That's the first thing they think about. Oh, this would be great self-storage. They're looking at doing retail, commercial, apartments, all, basically all the uses of real estate. And so this is one that sometimes you find these niches where it's been overlooked. Yeah, and certainly. And, you know, it has caught a lot of attention in the last, uh, you know, especially in the last two or three years. And, and there has been a lot of self-storage being built uh, throughout a lot of the major metropolitan cities in the United States. And, you know, but it's just like multifamily. There's still opportunity and there's still some of these tertiary markets where there is real opportunity and you can get in. You got to do your homework, but there's still opportunities in space for sure. You and I met a guy about four years ago who had a self-storage uh, facility that he owned and operated, and it was his sole income, and he made great income from that. And uh, he got around us, and he started thinking a little bigger and said, well, I, I could do more than one of these. And we, we said, well, yeah, I mean, you know the business, you know the area, and so forth. So, But you see a lot of those guys. You see a lot of the mom-and-pop type operators. Contrast that to what we would call you know, the branded. You see these big national companies. Where do you think the, the niche is? What have you found like the, the, the way to go is? I mean, just like the multifamily apartment space, you have different classes. You have the A, B, and C class. And you can be, you know, there's there's really no one and only way to do it. I mean, you can operate and you can, you can do very well in either one of the spaces. The niche that we operate in is we like to get a property where we can still add some value. It's in an A location, but it might have slipped from, you know, A minus to B plus. And then we revive it. We, you know, in, in the case just recently where we put a 70,000 square foot self-storage facility under contract and, and we funded, it's actually oversubscribed right now, but uh, we're taking that asset and we're adding 40,000 square feet to it. So if you can get in the right area where there's lots of demand, you can find a way to add value to the product and then take it up a notch in the asset quality get it in a position where it's an attractive buyout target from one of the big major institutions. Okay, okay. So this is interesting because as you go around and you see these self-storage units, you see all types and all sizes and you hadn't thought about all this stuff. I have some just technical questions about it and I know you've been looking around it a, a bit. You know, one of the things about self-storage is that there are all kinds of users for it, meaning there's the person who wants to store some things out of their house, but there's also commercial storage, air conditioned storage, climate controlled. And how do you decide what makes sense in terms of that, those kinds of niches? A lot of it is geographic. Like if you get down into, you know, South Florida or you get down into the Florida market, most of those are climate controlled. And, you know, there's, there's also, you, you know, when you can buy an asset where you can kind of see the historical data, then you can easily see, okay, the 40,000 square feet that we want to add on to this property, what's the biggest need in the marketplace? So if you can look at that historical data and then build according to what the market wants, that's where you want to be. Well, of course, you have some background in construction as well. So when you say build, you know, a lot of people, well, I'm, not, I'm not a builder. But if you find a property that's already operating and has some room, what are the concerns in terms of zoning and getting approval for this? Is this the kind of thing that a, a city likes or doesn't? Or what, are, what about those things? That is definitely things that you have to look into before you go and make the plunge. In this case, that work has already been done and the project is pretty much shovel ready. But yes, definitely, that's that's things you need to look into. You don't want to just buy an asset and jump in and assume that you can build 40,000, 50,000, 100,000 square feet to it. You want to do your homework ahead of time. Yeah, good stuff. You know, I think people don't naturally think of self-storage as an opportunity on a mom-and-pop kind of level because most of the facilities are pretty big, right? They need some economies of scale. One of the places where I have a unit, I mean, there's folks that live there. The The office has a, a home above it, and, and they, they run it from there. But there are lots and lots and lots of spaces. But it is possible to get involved. And what you've been doing, of course, in all of your real estate endeavors, whether it's the resort property or the, the apartment buildings that you do, is you bring other investors alongside you through syndication. Before we're done, Dave's prepared a report about uh, the self-storage industry and some of those metrics that you use and some things you might not have thought of. But there's really two ways to go. I could figure out how to own one myself, or I could come alongside somebody who's doing it. In that case, that's kind of what you did. You found a great operator. And, and talk about that part of it, because it seems like the business model is pretty simple, but you really do have to know what you're doing. You do. And you know me well enough that with the assets that we all get involved in, to really be an expert in any one of those assets, 
there's this 10,000 hour rule. Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hour rule. Yeah. And you and I, we only have so many 10,000 hours in our lifetime. Right. So if I were to devote most of my life and the next 10,000 hours into self-storage, I could probably get pretty good at it. Um, but what I choose to do is I like to go out and find really, really, really good people that operate that in that space. And that's what happened here. I had a couple investors in my network come to me and they said, look, we've, we've invested with these guys total of 11 different deals, 11, wow. 11 deals total. And, um, you know, they couldn't say enough of good things about them. And so that was, to me, that was key because it always starts with the team. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the asset is secondary to the team. So, you know, I got him put in contact with uh, one of the principals. His name's Lou. And he got on the phone with me and he started, you know, talking about, well, hey, let's meet and let's, you know, whatever. So I wasn't so much interested in talking to Lou as I was in talking to the people that had done business with him for a long time. Sure. And so once I got that nailed down and, and really did that due diligence, then I invited him up and he came up to the house and, and I took him to another good friend of mine who's who's very deep into the self-storage space. He was actually the chairman of the board of the, of the National Self-Storage Association. And turns out the two of them knew a lot of the same people. And so that kind of checked out. And one of my advisory... One of the guys on my advisory team was also interrogating him. And, you know, we had him for an hour and a half just, you know, really checking these guys out. Only after that is when I jumped on a plane and went down to see their team and their organization, some of their assets and see how they were doing and managing them and, and really doing some of that homework. So you're right. It, it starts with the team. The asset is secondary to the team. If you can find a really, really good team. And what I like to do is I'm the generalist, but I like to have the specialists that are the operators. And these guys, they own 42 of their own self-storage assets that they have equity ownership in. That's all that they do. They don't invest in, in oil. They don't invest in apartments. They don't invest in gold. They invest in self-storage assets, and that's it. That's their one thing. And that's that's the like. thing. All right, good stuff. Hey, we're talking about self-storage today. Fascinating stuff. Is there opportunity for you? We'll find out when we come back. Plus, we'll play real estate trivia next. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Elms. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. All aboard. A few cabins remain for the Real Estate Guys 16th Annual Investor Summit. Imagine spending an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. Returning this year are sales legend Tom Hopkins, the authors of Prosper, Chris Martinson and Adam Taggart, sovereign man Simon Black, editor of the Gold Newsletter Brian London, and the author of The Creature from Jekyll Island, G. Edward Griffin. Plus, joining us for a sixth investor summit, Peter Schiff, and back once again, Robert and Kim Kiyosaki. It all begins April 6th in Fort Lauderdale. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit to learn more and reserve your spot. But you better hurry. This transformational week is like no conference you've ever attended. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to spend a week with the Real Estate Guys, Robert and Kim Kiyosaki, and an all-star faculty on the 16th Annual Investors Summit at Sea. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe, CEO of Paradigm Life. Wall Street and banks spend billions of dollars per year in advertising with the goal to convince you that they are the solution. But take a look around. None of their advice has worked. If you're listening to this, odds are pretty good that you're already a real estate investor or at least becoming one. So why do you do it? Is it to hedge inflation, the tax benefits, or maybe it's to get your money away from Wall Street? It's because of these benefits and so many more that I created the Real Estate Investor's Guide to the Perpetual Wealth Strategy. When you combine successful real estate investing with the Perpetual Wealth Strategy, you have the recipe for what has helped the wealthy to establish their financial well-being for decades. You can download the Real Estate Investor's Guide to the Perpetual Wealth Strategy today by clicking the Resources tab on the Real Estate Guys Radio homepage. Don't wait. Go download it now.
Hi, this is Mauricio Raul, founder and CEO of Premier Law Group, and you're listening to The Realistic Guys. Welcome back to The Realistic Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. It's the first in a series of programs we're going to be talking about specific asset classes within real estate. What product types might you be interested in as our real estate investor this week, self-storage. Before we get back to our interview with Dave Zook, it's time to play real estate trivia. That's your chance to win a prize by knowing today's real estate trivia question. In just a minute, I'm going to give you a question that has something to do with real estate when you hear it and think you know the answer. Quickly get us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer to the question, and your physical mailing address. Because if you're the winner, we're going to get you a brand new book. It's just coming out now. It's called The One Thing That Changed Everything. A great collection of stories and anecdotes. And two of the authors in that book, Dave Zook and yours truly, Robert Helms. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, we were talking tax with Tom Wheelwright. And we asked this, what is the origin of the word tax? Well, the word tax is from the Latin taxo, which means I estimate. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Where in the United States will you find the town of Accident? Yep, the town that's named Accident. To our knowledge, there's only one. So where in the U.S., what state will you find the town of Accident? If you know, then quickly get us your answer or your best guess by sending an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name, the answer to the question and your mailing address so we can send you a copy of the one thing that changed everything. That's today's real estate trivia question. For the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at different asset classes that you might consider as a real estate investor. Today, we're talking with the real asset investor. Dave Zooks with us, and we're talking about self-storage. And this is a, a really interesting thing, learning a ton about it. Thanks for that. Um, I know you've just closed on a deal. And, and is this the one that's the 70,000 feet? Or is it- I thought it was going to be closed by now, but it's not quite closed. But you're right. It is a 70,000 square foot asset, and we're building 40,000 square feet to it. The occupancy is in the 90% range, in the mid-90s. I actually had some of my investors who were investing in this deal call down to see if they could book a you know a 10 by 10 space. And yeah. they said, well, hey, we found out they're sold out. It's like, well, that's great. That's why we're building 40,000 more square feet. So, yes. So so let's get our mind around this. 70,000 square feet. I, I'm not sure that everyone can get a feel of that in their mind. How many spaces, how big of a install is this? It's 500 and I think 26 units. Okay. So when we're done, it's going to be 900 and some units. Now, I would think part of the art and science of this is figuring out the the sizes, because generally, the bigger space you rent, the less per square foot it is, the smaller space, the higher. And as the owner, I, I guess I need a mix of units, just like you would in buying apartments. You need a mix of units, you need a mix of unit sizes, you need some climate controlled, you need some exterior non-climate controlled. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it can be a challenge to figure out exactly what you really need, but you can also go back to the historical data and see what's been the best occupancy, what's been the highest in demand. So it, it really helps when you can do that so you can see what the need is going forward. Yeah, I would think a big part of it is trying to figure out, hey, based on what the market has changed since it was built, what would be the next thing to do rather than just replicate what was done at first, are there decisions that you make around that kind of stuff? There is. There certainly is. And again, that has a lot to do with the team and the depth of the team. They have a pretty good gut feel of of what's needed in that market. They know that market very well. They play a lot in the Southeast and strategically in the Southeast. That's where, where we've done the studies and where most of the growth is headed in the next decade. So we're doing a lot of, they're, they've been doing a lot of business in the Southeast for a long time and, and uh, they seem to have their finger on the pulse of the market. Well, obviously, if someone's in a position where they could go find and buy a self-storage unit, then there's the same kind of things that you're going to talk about in your report that people would be interested in. But let's talk about the average person's not going to buy a 70,000-square-foot a self-storage unit. How does someone come alongside you? What does that look like? You're raising the money. It's a, a syndication. What are the minimums? What's the projection? What's the timeline that you're expecting for a deal like this? So the timeline, the time that we put the asset under contract until we go to close, typically is around 60 days. So in that 60-day period, the first 10, 15 days is figuring out the structure, putting the deal together, getting the executive summary and working on the legal, the PPM. So typically we'll have 30 days, 30 to 45 days to, to round up 
the investors and I throw the uh, the offer out to my investor network and it uh, it got scooped up pretty fast. So there was a lot of demand there. It actually got oversubscribed. But we've got a great team. I think there's going to be some more self-storage in our pipeline here in the very near future, and I'm, I'm excited about it. Well, what's great is that you have this network of investors who kind of can give you that acid test. You you get enamored of it, and you send it out to your group, and they go, uh, not interested. But that's kind of a reality check. In this case, the opposite of that. So that's, that's good news. What about availability? You know, we look out there, and we see that uh, multifamily is cap compressed. It's hard to get good single-family inventory in a lot of places. What does it look like on the on the self storage horizon? Is these things hard to find, or is this something that if you if you have the right connections, you can find these opportunities? Connections is key. Uh, my team is entrenched in this space, so they see a lot of deal flow. But it's just like the multifamily space. If you're thinking that you're going to go out and find a solid B property that's ninety four percent occupied, and you're going to get you know a ten percent cash on cash return. Those days are over. Yeah. That's the very same thing in this space. The only way you're really going to go into this space, unless you get extremely lucky, is if you go in with the mindset that we got to take something and add value to it. Whether that means building the asset up, building onto the asset if you're in the right area. Uh, whether that means doing a, a rehab and doing a lot of fix up to it and really taking it up a level. If you can find a way to add value to it, there's still opportunity. But no, going into a stabilized asset and expect to make a nice rate of return is, uh, it doesn't happen. Yeah, that's uh, the whole boots on the ground thing is so important and really understanding what the market is. Um, let's talk numbers for a minute. Might as well do a, make a good case study out of this. What was your purchase price? How much money did you raise? And minimum investment and so forth, because you've already raised all the money. So this isn't something you're soliciting for. This is just for us to, to learn from. What uh, what are the numbers? So the purchase price, 7.9, just shy of $8 million, And the equity raise was just over $4 million. Okay. So it's about going into the deal, you're right at about a 50% LTV with the bank, but then the bank is bringing the construction money. And so when the deal is done, built, we'll be at about 75% LTV. Investors coming into the deal, minimum $100,000, need to be accredited. And we've taken it down with, I think, 25-ish investors. Okay, good stuff. Now, um, since this one's about to close here any second, what does it look like in terms of appetite? I know your investors are oversubscribed, so they're saying, Dave, we want to do this again. What do you think it is uh, the, the deal flow is going to look like for these? Well, so right at the end when everybody's turning in their docs and bringing their cash and working their way through their IRAs and all that stuff, there's always something happens. Right at the end, and there's there's an investor or two falls off the wagon. Of course. It happened this time again. I've had several people on reserve. There's two or three people on reserve waiting to see if, you know, if, if we have another investor fall off the wagon, uh, they're ready to jump in and take their place. The other thing that's happened is I already got investors on the reserve list that say, hey, you get your next deal. I want to be the first call. Right. So there's some people waiting in line, waiting for the next deal. And... We've, we've got a really good team. There's some good quality deal flow in our pipeline that they're doing due diligence on right now. So I believe in the next 90 days, 60 to 90 days, I think we'll have another one under contract. Well, this is great. And, and let's take a quick aside. And uh, it's been a, a lot of education on, on self-storage, that's for sure. But but just in general, because this isn't the only asset class you're in, but you, what you've done a great job of, Dave, is building up a clientele of investors. And they know that you're diligent and they know that you seek out great teams because you've continued to deliver those kinds of results. So let's talk about that side of it. You've got a brand new asset class and people know you maybe as the Memphis multifamily guy or maybe as the beautiful Belize Beach guy and or maybe it's the ATM guy. How is it that you make that transition and someone who says, yeah, I'm interested in this in this product class, um, how is it that you make the transition between the different things that you do? So when I go out and talk to an investor, it's never about me and it's never about my deal. I try to find as much out about the investor as I possibly can. Like, okay, what is, what's your goals? What's, you know, I mean, an investor that has a, a solid six-figure job or seven-figure business looks a lot different than someone who's looking to supplement their income or, or create additional income streams. So it's important to find out who the investor is and what they want 
And, you know, they may be enamored by being able to, to go down and enjoy the beach down in Belize as part of their investment or part of their due diligence trip or, or you know, being able to, to go down there and see their investment and use it and enjoy it. Quite different than the Memphis multifamily, uh, C-class Memphis multifamily deal. I've never once had anybody ask me if they can go down and use that for a week. <laughs> Well, what I appreciate, I'm on your list, so I get to see all these great things that, that you do, and you do a great job of explaining where the opportunity is and why, and then always telling the team, you give a lot of credit to your team, but that's one of the shortcuts, I think, if you can just find a great team, and that's no easy task, but if you find someone and rally around that, what a great shortcut that is. That, that makes all the difference. Doing business with a great team can turn your investing experience from a nightmare to one that's really, really enjoyable. And it's just a lot of fun doing, doing business with good people. There you go. We always say you can't do a good deal with a bad person, so just meet some great people and get out there and get it done. All right, Dave, good stuff. Hey, if you're interested in learning more about self-storage, Dave's put together a great little report. All you have to do is send an email to self-storage at realestateguysradio.com. Uh, what are they going to learn in the report? They are going to learn about some of the things that we do as part of our due diligence process. They're going to learn about some of the things that are important to know, some of the, some of the questions that you didn't even know to ask. Right. There's a lot of good market data in there, and there's a lot of, you know, just a way to shortcut the process. You can, it's an easy read. You can go in there and just uh, learn a lot of the things that we had to do to, when we were going through our due diligence process. And my contact information will be in there. Send us an email and get on our list. We plan to do some more of these and a uh, great way to team up with a, with a good team of self-storage professionals. All right, good stuff. Well, Dave Zook, it's always a pleasure finding out whatever you're working on because it's always something cool. And uh, thanks for the education on self-storage. All right, thanks for having me back on the show, Robert. You bet. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back, I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Imagine listening in as two real-world apartment investing experts share their best ideas and strategies. Well, now you can. When you listen to the Old Capital Podcast featuring Michael Becker and Paul Peebles, you'll learn from two seasoned pros who funded and syndicated hundreds of millions of dollars in apartments. Each episode is chock full of expert advice, real-world wisdom, and interviews with real-life investors. For details about how you can listen to the Old Capital Podcast, send an email to ocp at realestateguysradio.com. When you do, we'll send you Michael Becker's personal due diligence checklist free of charge. Email your request to OCP, Old Capital Podcast, at realestateguysradio.com. Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. Hi, this is Garrett Sutton, Rich Dad's advisor. Remember, equity happens, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. And welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show, and oh my gosh, always great to get around the amazing Dave Zook. It, well, you know, it's really been fun to watch his evolution as an investor and then eventually moving into syndication uh, and, and how he's just taken the concept of his own investing needs and then going out and looking at the problems he had to solve as an investor himself. You know, he started out with a tax problem and it, it caused him to embrace the world of real estate. And then when he started getting into the world of real estate, he realized to the point at the top of the show, Robert, that you made is that there's a lot of ways to play the real estate game. And then, you know, he's a devotee, if you will, of uh, Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad. And so he understands the concept of cash flow 
and what he's investing for and owning real assets. In fact, he named his company Real Asset Investor because he understands that's what he's there to do. And then he realized he had the opportunity to take the solutions that he'd found and the work that he's doing on his own behalf and go bigger, faster by sharing it with other people, something that we talk about all the time in syndication. So in a lot of ways, he's just a case study of somebody who takes our motto, education for effective action, and uh, doesn't overcomplicate it, just gets out there and does it and does good business. And it's just been a lot of fun to watch him uh, do it and do it well. Not everybody can do a diverse portfolio and do it well because they tend to dive too deep into the weeds themselves. Well, that's one of the paradigms that I hope that our interview with Dave today has broken a little bit. It's just you don't have to be the absolute smartest person in the room in your asset class. You don't have to know everything you need to have someone on your team that knows everything, which is a big distinction. Well, he must have said it three or four times about how important the team is. I mean, that's the most important thing. The hardest thing for people to do who are, are employees, you know, if you look at the cash flow quadrant, the E and the S side, people who are used to going to work every day and performing a function, trading time for dollars, right? Having a J-O-B, sitting in the cubicle, working on the assembly line, whatever it is. And so they have to be good at what they do if they want to keep their job. And when they decide that they want to learn how to do something like investing, they're, they're easy prey for people who just want to load up the education. Let me teach you all the legal aspects of real estate. Let me teach you all the financing aspects. Let me teach you all the tax law. Let me teach you the landlord-tenant law. Oh, you need to know construction. You've got to understand appraisal and on and on and on and on, right? And you spend $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 getting educated to do the work your team could do. Right. You have to and focus. should do. His, his comment about the 10,000 hours of what you're going to be good at, if you're going to be good at something as an investor, be good at picking great teams. You know, I think I go back to Warren Buffett because he's held out as maybe the greatest investor of our era. And he makes his living picking great teams, great managers in the right industries at the right time. So there are things you need to know for sure, but you do not have to get as as granular, as, te as technical. You don't have to get into the weeds as much as you think. And, and that's where I think Dave has really embraced that concept. And he was wise enough when he started his, his company to give himself a brand that allowed him to diversify rather than get pigeonholed into one area. Uh, because really, if you think about it, if you're going to do a great job for investors or a great job for yourself, you know, you're, you're going to want to diversify a little bit. You're, you're not going to want to have all your eggs in one basket. I mean, a, a sector can get hot and it can get unhot. And if you don't have the ability to shift into where the opportunities are, where it's not so crowded, where there's still opportunities to add value, then you're you're going to be stuck, right? But if you have if you have diversification, you have a safer portfolio, you have a better business, and when you have you when you learn the skills of being able to diversify, and that's that's my point. It isn't just diversifying, it's learning the skills of being diversified. When you learn those skills and focus your time and attention on that, then you have a chance to go big and also play safe. Part of the reason we wanted to bring a variety of asset classes is just for folks to consider, are they in the right place? It's that zero-based thinking. Knowing what I now know, would I be as heavy in retail or would I be as heavy in land or whatever it is for you? And I think there's some real advantages to self-storage. The first is your tenants or boxes. They don't call up in the middle of the night. They don't complain. The second is it's a proven market. Self-storage has been around for years and years and years. And just like we often say, we're not going to be able to change the fact that you Humans have to sleep under a roof. I don't see where we're going to have a situation where people don't need to store some stuff. And so it's a great recurring revenue stream. The fact that he shared that the average person intends to stay for six months and ends up staying for 28 to 30, right? That makes it good, predictable cash flow. Whether or not it's right for you, you might want to do it on your own. You might want to do it with your help. Certainly that's what uh, Dave's company does is help investors, accredited investors do these uh, kind of deals. Again, if you want more information about uh, self-storage, get Dave's report. All you have to do is send an email to self storage at realestateguysradio.com and we'll get that out to you. Uh, Dave will also be at the Future of Money and Wealth coming up right around the corner. Oh my gosh, this is going to be an amazing time to spend time with some big brains. Robert and Kim Kiyosaki are going to be there live. Peter Schiff.
Schiff is going to be with us, the author of The uh, Creature from Jekyll Island, G. Edward Griffin, a whole bunch of great folks at this event. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to study the economic trends. You have to study the sea. Right now, we know mortgage rates are going up. Real estate investors feel that. I think, you know, most people out there who look at mortgages can see that. Mortgages have up four or five-year high. Well, that definitely has an impact on real estate. But if interest rates are going up, it also has an impact on the debt loads that tenants are carrying and how much you can push the rents. We've already seen a disparity between how fast wages are growing versus how fast rent is growing in some marketplaces. Those are things to look at. So coming back to the self-storage idea, this is where you kind of say, okay, what's going on in the big picture? How do I come back down to earth? You say, well, people are going to have to downsize. They're going to have to move from a bigger place to a smaller place because the rent's gone up because they're carrying a better, bigger debt load. Okay, well, what are they going to do with their stuff? They're not going to want to let go of their stuff. So, you know, you can you can find opportunities. So at the future money and wealth, we're going to get we're going to get all these big brains. We're going to talk about what's going on. What is the economic condition? What is going on? Why is Bitcoin such a big deal right now? What you know, now you've got central banks talking about it. You've got countries talking about it. It went from being nothing to all of a sudden being very important. So that's just one symptom of many other things. The dollar has fallen. Gold has been up. You know, that's telling us something. If you're a real estate investor, you may think, well, none of that matters to me. But it does because it's a reflection of what's going on in the broader picture. But how do you take that broader picture stuff and bring it down to earth? Well, we bring in guys like Dave and a lot of tactical specialists who understand how to make money in specific niches. And after they hear two days of of all this, we put them on panels and go, okay, now that you've heard all this, how do you play it? Right. What do you do? How do you structure your portfolio? What segments do you move into? What markets do you go to? What are you going to do? And you can say, I mean, one of the one of the reasons we're so big on live events is because we, we live in a soundbite world. I mean, people think that they can listen to a, a podcast. I mean, it's great you're listening to the podcast. They think they can watch a news program. They think they can look at an Instagram meme and all of a sudden get the answer. But it doesn't work that way. You've got to take time to go think deeply. And the way to think deeply is to get away, do a retreat. That's what this is, kind of like a retreat. You get around people that are all focused on it. You get in great conversations. You get stimulation from the front of the room. And you watch the way people process. And then you walk away with new ideas and new inspiration and new relationships. Dave talked about building team. Well, where do you meet people that are like-minded? You go to live events where people are attracted by the subject matter. So come on out to the Future of Money and Wealth. It happens in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You get all the details by going to futureofmoneyandwealth.com. Next week, we'll look at a completely different asset class. And for the next few weeks, we'll take a look at different ways you might invest in real estate. Big thanks to Dave Zook for sharing his uh, time and uh, his information about self-storage. Next week, something new on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Until then, go out and make some equity happen. Hello, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and I'm very excited that I'll be joining the Real Estate Guys for their Investor Real Estate Summit at Sea. Join me, join my friends, join the Real Estate Guys Investor Summit at Sea, and I'll see you out there. This episode of the Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid South Home Buyers, low cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys radio show.